0: All right, all right. Welcome to the Kavis ships Podcast, where we try and cut through the fog and the murk, shine a bit of light on naval and maritime issues of the day. I'm Chris Cavas.
1: And I'm Chris Cervello.
0: The Cavaships Podcast is sponsored by HII. HII is the largest producer of undersea unmanned vehicles, making transoceanic missions possible. HII delivering hard stuff done right.
1: Coming up, not long ago, the future of shipbuilders, Offsteel USA, was somewhat in doubt. Yet the company has rapidly expanded into new programs and efforts that are redefining its reputation as just a builder of aluminum ships. We'll hear from one of the company's top executives on the progress of those efforts. But first, a look at this week's Naval News.
0: As has been reported worldwide, the small submersible Titan imploded with five people aboard June 18th while diving on the wreck of the Titanic. A large and wide-ranging search and rescue effort was led by the U.S. Coast Guard, which coordinated efforts by the Canadian Navy and Coast Guard, the U.S. Navy, the French Navy, and multiple commercial vessels to search for the sub. The Titan was discovered on June 22nd in pieces,
1: just 1,600
0: feet from the bow of the Titanic, with all aboard declared lost.
1: The U.S. Coast Guard cutter Stratton carried out a Taiwan Strait transit June 20th. The passage came only 17 days after the U.S. destroyer Chung Hoon and Canadian frigate Montreal made the transit, during which the Chinese destroyer Su Cao aggressively sped up to cut across the Chung Hoon's bow. It was the first time a U.S. Coast Guard cutter made the transit since the Berthoff in March 2019. A day after the Stratton's transit, The Chinese carrier Shandong and several escort ships made the passage as well.
0: The carrier USS Ronald Reagan is set to visit Da Nang, Vietnam, beginning June 25th. It'll be the first U.S. carrier visit to the country since the USS Theodore Roosevelt visited Da Nang in early March 2020, just ahead of the worldwide pandemic shutdown. Reagan is expected to remain at Da Nang until June 30th. Somewhat related, India on June 19th announced it would transfer the missile corvette Kirpan to Vietnam, part of a growing defense collaboration between India and Vietnam in the face of Chinese aggressiveness in the Indo Pacific region.
1: The Italian multi purpose offshore patrol ship Francesco Morissini arrived at Yokosuka, Japan, June 22nd, for a week long stay, the first visit of an Italian naval ship to Japan since 1996. The Morissini is on a five-month Indo-Pacific deployment that began in early March, part of a larger European Navy effort to deepen ties with Pacific nations. Similarly, the French frigate Lorraine arrived at Manila, Philippines, June 23rd for a six-day visit after exercising with U.S. and Filipino warships. In new ship news, the destroyer USS Carl M. Levin DDG 120 is to be commissioned June 24th at Baltimore, Maryland. The Arleigh Burke class ship was delivered in January from General Dynamics Bath Iron Works and will be homeported at Pearl Harbor, Hawaii.
0: And lastly, Bill Norberg, retired chief yeoman, US Navy, passed away June 17th at the age of 100. He was a lovely gentleman. A crew member of famed carrier USS Enterprise CV6 for the entirety of World War II in the Pacific. He made a point of attending Enterprise and Midway events and was unfailingly kind and patient to the many people who wanted to meet him. As I saw him just this past June 4th at the Surface Navy Association's annual Battle of Midway dinner, where numerous people from the Vice Chief of Naval Operations and yours truly sought a photo with him. He was a real treasure and a true gentleman. And that's a look at just some of this week's naval news. All right. Well, Austell USA's shipyard in Mobile, Alabama, was set up in the early 2000s to build relatively small, high speed aluminum warships for the U.S. Navy. But today the company's branched out into steel ships, shipyard repairs, unmanned vessels, and even into the submarine and aircraft carrier programs. Larry Ryder, Austell USA Vice President of Business Development and External Affairs, is with us to fill us in on what the company is up to. Welcome back to the podcast, Larry. Hey, thanks, Chris. It's always great to talk to you. Appreciate the time. Well, we appreciate you being here. And just to remind folks, Chris and I visited Austell last August when we interviewed President Rusty Murdoch. And Larry, we've spoken on a number of occasions, both in Mobile and in D.C., um, I know that, you know, again, like I said, Austin is just moving out on all these fronts. Can you bring us up to date on some of the, some of the most recent highlights?
2: Yeah, thanks, Chris. Um, yeah, the, the, there's been some good news lately. Um, you know, recently we, uh, we did the keel laying for, uh, for LCS 38 pier, the, um, which is going to be the last Indy LCS, the last LCS. So it was a good, good chance to reflect on where we are. Um. You know, we we looked back and in a couple of years ago we were in somewhat dire straits. You know, you and I talked about that when we were looking at a a pretty serious uh cliff when we uh when we didn't bid successfully. Um, a.k.a. AK we lost on the frigate. Um and uh you know since then we've we've put a lot of a lot of money into uh into the infrastructure, a lot of money into the workforce and, and training, and and now you know things are looking much better with uh you know, we, we laid the, uh, the keel on the last LCS. It was a great event. Um, you know, we've got a great sponsor there. Um, you know, we had the, uh, both the senators from, from South Dakota were down, um, for the event, So it was a, a nice event to look back, like I said, and, and look at where we've been over the last 20 years. Um, we recently were awarded the Tegos program. So a, another large steel program. Um, so that was a, uh, you know it, it, that that was a great event for the yard and our those workforce are,
0: those are those are big ocean surveillance ships You got a contract for with options up to 7 ships that's a big deal
2: yeah those, absolutely those are yeah that, that that was a big win it it's you know it's a, a big ship and with OPC and Tagos that gives us uh, uh, you know offshore patrol cutter and the Tagos award it gives us two foundational uh, steel programs to grow off of um so in addition to the work we have, you know, the, the other steel work we have with the AFDM and the TATS and LCU. We've we we we've ramped up to a, a real steady base on the steel side. Um, you know, with aluminum, um, LCS is is winding down. You know, sadly, LCS 38 will be the last ship. The, um, But we've got uh, a couple more EPFs uh, to push down the line, EPF 14, 15, and 16. We're doing the key the high speed
0: transports.
2: I, yeah, I'm sorry, the Expeditionary Fast Transports. Uh, we're, we're laying the keel for EPF 15 next week. Uh, and then we've got the uh, the three expeditionary medical ships, the EMSs um, coming behind that on the uh, aluminum side, as well as the the deck houses for OPC. So we've got a good balance on both sides. Um, you know, coming up, we've got the, um, the Canberra commissioning, which should be a, a pretty neat event down in Sydney, Australia. Um, so we're looking forward to... Uh, to be in part of the, the Navy's uh, ceremony and celebration of that event um, in July. Um, and I guess I'll point out the, uh, you know, Charleston just came back from a 26 month deployment LCS uh, an any variant LCS, um, which was the longest deployment for a, uh, for an LCS to date. And, you know, from everything we've seen, it was very successful operationally. So, so yeah, we, we're, we're working through challenges, but
1: um, you know a lot of good news over the last um, few months. Let's hit on Charleston for a second. H- how much interaction does uh, does Austal and the Navy have? Um, whether it's lessons learned, whether it's, you know, mid-deployment support. Can you talk a little bit about also support of that deployment or or some of the lessons learned that you've, you know, heard from the Navy on on that? The Navy's been kind of quiet thus far on Charleston. But, um, I mean, it is a good news story for the LCS program and specifically for this variant of the ship.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I I can speak to some of that. The, um, you know, the way we have set up the company, um, you know, we're in a position where we build the ship. Uh, then we, uh, we, we do maintenance. We we're, were one of the, um, the, uh, the teams on the contract to do the maintenance in San Diego. Our services headquarters is there in San Diego where the ships are home ported. And then we have the contracts, two different contracts to do support, you know, when the ships are deployed, including a, um, a, a contract that has, um, you know, about 50 folks from our team that that does the emergent maintenance out in Singapore or, wherever in the region so we have a frequent interaction with the uh with the navy on the on the ships while they're deployed there's a i think a constant um exchange of lessons learned and um you know feedback so i think that's very healthy we're able to our team in singapore is able to reach back into the new construction yard to to either feed lessons learned uh, they can go into uh into the new construction while it's still happening, but but also to inform the other ships as we do uh, maintenance on those, um, you know we still are able to reach back in and, and do some um, you know, grab supply parts and you know from the uh, from the yard um, from the new construction side. So I, you know, so as far as the the maintenance and the um, feedback from maintenance into into new construction and mods for the other ships, I think that that's really been a, a positive. Uh, ongoing process. The, you know, operationally, um, you know, we I, we don't hear all that much back here more than you do, um, but the feedback we are getting from the Navy and when we make our visits out to, uh, to Singapore to talk to uh, a Comlog Westpac and the Desron, it, it, it's been positive. So, you know, I, I think as you mentioned, Chris, that, you know, it, it is a good news story. The ships are performing, you know, we, we've had up to four at a time deployed and we're gonna get to five or six at a time deployed. So I, I I think to me the takeaway is you know the the indy variant LCSs are, are are now doing what they were bought to do and what they were intended to do the um, some of the mission packages are still you know coming along but um, the ships themselves have a you know a core capability there's some lethality there I I, I think the Chinese have to be thinking about them so uh, so I think that there, there is a a success
1: in that. You mentioned your um, your services headquarters in San Diego, and I think that's the last time that Chris and I had an opportunity to chat with you. You, you were there kind of doing a celebration of, right. the, of, of that opening. How's that going? Uh, you, you know, Do you continue to add add folks, add work to that yard? Can you talk a little bit about the services side? Sure.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's right. The last time we talked was out at the ribbon cutting. Um so since then, the um I think the biggest news is the uh the dry dock that we have built is on the way. Um so I think last time I, I saw it, it was the position report. It was about halfway across the Atlantic. So it's uh it's making its way to San Diego. Um we're continuing to uh to finish up the infrastructure improvements, uh some dredging and some of the uh electrical upgrades, for instance, are still ongoing. Um, but we'll be ready to um you know, to put the dock into service. And, you know, that's when we're really, you know, that's our target for getting, getting that yard up and running. The, um, you know, the hiring is going to come with the, uh, with the dock. You know, we're kind of at a plateau now that uh, we have the folks we need to do the topside work in San Diego. Uh, Once we get the dock and get the, um, you know, the DSRAs under contracts, then uh, we'll, we'll get the next, the next bump in hiring.
0: You know, it, it, you know it's the floating dry dock. This is sort of interesting. So, you, so you're getting a large floating dry dock. These these have not been built in the United States for a long time. Um, so this this particular one's being built was built in Turkey, and right. being shipped over, um, and having it built overseas is not at all unusual. Although, you now have a contract to build a medium floating dry dock for the U.S. Navy, a steel floating dry dock. That's new. They don't they they don't order a whole lot of new floating dry docks. Um, that's an entirely new new construction line too. I mean, when we were down there last year, we saw you, know, you have a major new steel panel line down there. Essentially, a new fabrication facility that has been added to the yard. And you're you're really. I mean, this is another part of this move into steel. Um, even the dry dock is is. Is is unusual? Is there anything special about building a dry dock, or is just another construction project down there? I, I mean, it, it's a it, it's a different sort of structure to move through the yard than what you've been doing. Is there any, anything had to change about that?
2: Um, yeah, you're right. It, it is is a little different for us. It, you know, it, it's a one off um, for one thing, and um, you know we we've been doing serial production for quite a while. Um, in the handling of, of the steel, we, it, it's a good program for us as, as, we're learning, um, you know, continuing to, uh, to get our processes in place. Um, it's a little different in that it, um, you know, takes up quite a bit of real estate. Uh, so we, uh, we've had to make some adjustments there, but, um, you know, other than that, it, you know, at its core, it's still the same lean manufacturing principles, the, uh, you know, the focus on lessons learned and, and efficiency. Um, so, so it's definitely a different program, you know, it, 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 it's somewhat uh you know interesting that we're having a dock built in turkey at the same time we're building a dock for the navy um that's not lost on us um but you know as far as the um you know the construction it, it's going fine and and we've got a great workforce that uh, has adapted um you know the, the bigger challenges we have down there with the dry dock are, or more about real estate and infrastructure um you know, we, we, we picked up two plots of land. I think we talked about, we were looking to expand, uh, we've closed on, on two pieces of property. Um, we're going to put a, uh, a new, um, final assembly bay up, a larger assembly bay than the ones we have now that will be, uh, uh, used for the, the, um, the Tegos and OPC programs, uh, in addition to our existing bays. Um, we're also, uh, getting ready to, uh, to put up a another manufacturing building that's going to be dedicated to submarine work on the other plot of land. So, we'll have the assembly bays um, immediately south of our current uh, facility, and then the submarine mm-hmm. facility will be a little bit to uh, to our south. So, uh, yeah, other than you know a, a expanding the real estate a little bit to accommodate it, I, I think the team is doing uh, doing good work with the um, with the AFDM. So, uh, you know, something I'd, I'd like to talk about, as,
0: as, as you mentioned, a couple of years ago, you know, people were, everybody was concerned about the future of Austell. You're still a relatively new yard, um, yeah. pretty much put together in, the, in this century uh, to build specialized high-speed aluminum ships. And you did, you've been doing that for 20 some odd years with the high-speed transports and the total, total, total combat ships, both coming to an end um especially the lord patrol combat ships lcss um the, your company put out feelers put out efforts in many in multiple directions um trying to you know see something keep the facility going the danger here i think is that seems like an awful lot of what you were trying to do worked it <laughs> you, you actually won you, i mean the, the the offshore patrol cutter uh, program for the coast guard that's a big deal um, seven Tago ships. You are on, you're building now the, uh, the, uh, the aircraft elevators for the next two aircraft carriers, the uh, Enterprise and the Doris Miller. You're on the submarine program. Um, you're building components for, the, for, for, for submarines now, and you're into unmanned systems, autonomous systems. You have a, have a deal with L3 and a couple other folks where you're doing an awful lot of work in unmanned Everything's coming home one way or another. Some of it, some of it pretty much big time. They're all new ventures. You've been a pretty, you've had a company that's had established efforts in these areas for some time. Now you're doing all this new stuff at the same time. This is, there's a lot of risk in here. Be careful what you ask for. Um, Can you, can you talk about that managing risk?
2: Yeah. You scare me a little bit there, Chris. (laughs) No, you know, look, like you said, when you you started the, uh, you know your 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 question there that you know folks were worried about the future of Austin and and I'm not sure anyone was more worried about it than, than me. It uh, you know we we're we we're looking as a, as a team on you know where do we go to win some work? How do we change the yard? Um, but I think you know at our base we we've always like as you said we we built high speed aluminum multi halls, but we've always looked at it that you know we're manufacturing. You know, we're starting out manufacturing the quote unquote widgets. It's, you know, components that grow into modules that grow into ships. And the focus was always on, you know, lean manufacturing, whatever it was. So the transition to, you know, manufacturing steel ships, building OUSV number three for L3 Harris on the autonomy side, building a dry dock, that part. You know, it hasn't been that big of a concern. Um, I, I think the the real challenge for us, the uh, the growing and the adapting, has been one in hiring the workforce. Um, you know, it's a it's a challenging market for everybody right now to uh, the workforce development piece, um, but also you know adjusting our our organizational structure. Um, you know, as you pointed out, we had a a fairly straightforward um, you know task of, of executing two block buys for aluminum ships. It was, um, you know, both very mature programs. And now we have, as you you pointed out, a pretty diverse portfolio, not just across the company, even within new construction. You know, we have seven programs, um, you know, seven shipbuilding programs underway. We have three three design studies underway. We have two um, manufacturing uh, efforts underway now on autonomy. Um, we, we've got the submarine manufacturing the components we're building uh, we've got the aircraft carriers on the aluminum side the the aircraft elevators so yeah it, it, it's a much broader portfolio to manage um, and so we have had to make some adjustments in uh, in the way the leadership team is structured in the way the new construction is is um, structured um, but it's a good problem to have um, you know we're not talking about laying off you know 1200 great workers. We're, we're looking to find the, uh, the next 2000. Um, so it, um, you know, as far as the risk there, there is, uh, you know, inherent in what we're doing is, you know, the risk of properly bidding steel programs, executing to our schedules, um, making sure we, you know, at, at our core, we don't want to lose our focus on quality and, and on time, you know, delivery. You know, those are two cornerstones of what we've done in part of our success. And, uh, you know, we're, we're putting a lot of time and effort into making sure that, that that remains core to what we do. Um, safety, you know, there's a challenge with the safety programs. Again, it, uh, steel presents, um, safety challenges that we didn't have with, uh, with the aluminum programs, a newer workforce, a younger, you know, a greener workforce presents safety challenges. Um, we're putting, you know, our, 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 leadership, our, our supervisors, our foremen, you know, they're carrying a bigger burden right now. And, um, but they're they're great workforce and they're living up to it.
1: Larry, I want to shift gears um, and talk a little bit about AUKUS um, and what you know that deal may mean yeah. for Austal. Your parent company is based in Australia, so the cooperation between the U.S. Navy and the Australian government and uh, Austal in Australia go, goes back decades. But can you talk a little bit about what that deal could mean for Austal and you know further cooperation with the Australian Navy?
2: Yeah, great question, and certainly something we've been looking at pretty hard. Um, we are in, in a in a unique position in that we have the shipyard down in in Perth, um, as well as the um, you know our, our shipyard and operation here in the U.S. Um, you, you add to that, uh, you know, we're doing submarine module work now, so we're we we we're part of that uh, process under um, electric boat so that's in place. As far as the submarine production, there's the uh, technology exchange, um, you know, autonomy, I think is a big piece of what is going to become part of AUKUS. Um, and then other programs, you know, potentially, uh, LSM is similar to a program they're pursuing down in, in Australia. So this, that, that pillar of, of um, technology exchange. So, you know, honestly, we, I, I can't tell you, we know what our, our role is going to be. Um, we, we are, I, I think we're in a position to, uh, to help with the, um, you know, ramp up in production and some of the components. I think we're, we're especially well positioned to help with, uh, workforce training. Um, you know, a lot of our, there, there's a lot of similarities in, um, you know, when we started the yard up here in mobile, we brought a lot of the Australian workforce over here to, um, you know to be the core of, of the the workforce we were growing um we still have a, a a strong australian culture down there in place so i think we'll uh we'll be able to help with the uh the training of the workforce that comes over to help seed the um you know the capability down in in australia um and, and you know with the Canberra Canberra christening com, or commissioning coming up you know i, I think that's certainly going to be a topic um so I, I, I don't have a great answer for you on exactly what our role is going to be, but uh, I, I'm really confident that, that Austell Limited and you know, Austell USA are both going to be part of that. I think we have a lot to bring to the, uh, to the AUKUS effort on the production and of, of the submarines, but also on the technology transfer and, and the workforce development.
1: Talk a little bit about just before we finish up uh, the Canberra commissioning, um, you, you know, we you kind of mentioned it at the top, but I, I think that's a great subject sort of to go out on. I mean, it, it, you know, the timing with the AUKUS announcement, it, it, it you know, it's an, it would be exciting in its own right, but, you know, on the heels of the AUKUS uh, announcement, I mean, it's it's a pretty big deal for, you know, the U.S. and Australia. What, what should people uh, expect to see and, and read about, uh, you know, for that commissioning?
2: yeah it, it it is it's a really neat event for for a lot of reasons um you know and and i think what folks should could think about and focus on i guess to answer your question in a lot of ways is you know is the crew this is really about the crew and uh, they they've got a uh you know i'd love to be on the crew of that ship uh pulling into sydney harbor and or pulling into sydney and uh you know having a reception at the opera house and then the uh and the commissioning there in in sydney on saturday morning we're going to be hosting the uh the families of of the crew at a watch party in our our yard in, in San Diego so i think that that's going to be a neat event um but there's so much history of the uh you know the relationship between the united states and in australia and uh you know the heritage of of the name canberra and, and the um you know the the heavy cruiser that uh um you know was was part of the uh the war in the pacific uh, so I, I think there, there's so much that goes into it. The first commissioning of an inter, a ship internationally, a U.S. ship internationally, the, the strong ties in, between the U.S. and Australia, the location, the history of that ship name, um, and, and then you throw AUKUS and, and the, the future, you know, emerging submarine program on top of that. It, uh, I think it's it, it's going to be great, and, and we're happy to be a part of it. And um, you know, we'll. We'll see what comes out of it as far as uh, you know future developments, but uh, I think it's going to be a, a great event for the the crews and their families and, um, and for the U.S. Navy. So before we go, I gotta gotta ask about a relatively
0: darker topic, and that is in March there were federal indictments on three former and current then current uh, executives um, for Austin including former president. Craig Persavalli, this is Securities and Exchange Commission um, about financial fraud, and I, I believe this is an ongoing investigation. Can you comment on that at all?
2: You know, it, it's about three individuals. Um, the investigation is, is still ongoing. We're continuing to cooperate, and we'll we'll cooperate as as long as um, you know the, the investigation is underway. We're confident we're we're doing everything you know by the book, and um, you know. We, we've doubled down on compliance we've uh brought in a chief compliance officer that has a lot of experience in that in that field so it um, as you said it's not good news uh certainly none of us want that happening with within our companies or you know that news but uh i i think the uh hopefully the the investigation will wrap up soon and uh you know we'll, we'll move on from it we, we've certainly learned and taken steps that uh we can to ensure that um you know, they, there's no possibility of anything like that happening again. Okay. Well,
0: Larry, that's all the time we've got. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the company really has, uh, I've been covering this company since it since really began building ships down there in Mobile. And um, it really is evolving uh, very impressively into just a whole, like like we talked about, a whole lot of areas that people remain surprised to hear about when they, when they find out that Austin is on. Submarines and aircraft carriers. But thanks again for for being here. We've been talking with Larry Ryder. He's the VP of Business Development for Austal USA from beautiful Mobile,
2: Alabama. Thanks, Larry. Thanks, Chris. Always appreciate the chance to talk to you.
1: All right, Chris. Well, that was a great conversation with Larry. Um, in lieu of a squawk this week, I thought maybe we could take the last couple minutes of this week's pod um, and talk about the Titan submarine uh, disaster. Um, that really captivated much of international media for the last couple days. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts and share a few of my own.
0: You know, part of it is, I think, you know, the, the unending enduring lure of the legend of the Titanic. I mean, it really is one of the most. Um, it, just, it just grabs people all over the world. And this is part of the Titanic. You know, the Titan this little itty bitty submersible. Um, Going down to visit this ship, uh, I thought James Cameron, um, who's who's been appearing a lot on uh, multiple outlets the last few days, really put it put it well when he talked about hubris and uh, just the, the idea that you know we don't have to worry about that we have a better idea and uh, of course that's really at the heart of the Titanic disaster that certainly didn't need to be happen need to happen um, people just um, brushed aside but what should have been st- standard warnings. And in this case, again, um, Ocean Gate, the more you look at, at this operation, the more you look at what they were doing, you just keep shaking your head going, wow, how does this, how this ever get get, uh, get get past everyone? It, it is a shame, it's, it's certainly a tragedy. It's not a tragedy compared to the stuff that goes on all over the world almost every day. I'm thinking of you know, a refugee, um, ship sinking in the in the, in the aegean sea yeah. uh just a few days ago and it looks like uh, maybe maybe as many as 500 600 people died on that ship including more than 200 pakistanis um and there were two Pakistanis on the on the uh, on the titan um you know that just really didn't get it didn't get that much coverage at the time it's getting more i think now because of the contrast but um what did you think chris
1: well, I, I mean, I think your comment about uh, or your referencing of uh, of James Cameron's comments about hubris is, is right on. I mean, the similarities between yeah. the Titan mission and, you know, the mistakes that were made by the uh, Titanic crew. I mean, they're, they're almost eerie um, in, in terms of, you know, ignoring warnings, um, thinking that, you, you know, the, the captain in both cases thinking that they knew better than the right. experts of the day. I mean, it really is remarkable how how similar they are. Um, I, I will say, I mean, y- you know, I, I was very proud of the way the Coast Guard and the naval forces handled themselves. I mean, this is what they do. Uh, I almost said this is what we do, but th- this is what they do. They spring into action. They bring tremendous resources to bear. Um, you know, it would have been wonderful for this to have a, a, a happy ending, but it, it, it wasn't to be. I really hope that this serves as a lesson for, um, you know, other companies, other, uh, adventurers that, um, you know, want to try and push the limits of technology and science that maybe they will heed, uh, some of, uh, of the safety warnings. I mean, I know that there's a fine line and there's lots of videos circulating around on social media of, you know, the Titan crew and, and, and some of the, um, the, the, you know, companies officers talking about um, you know, safety be damned and things like that. I mean, I know there's a fine line between adventurism and, and safety, but I, I really think that they, you know, went beyond it and and didn't heed all of the, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, we can now say they didn't heed all the warnings. So I hope this serves as a as a lesson for others so that we don't see more of these in the in the years and months to come. But it was the ideal story. I mean, the communicator in me, is, this was the intersection of, as you said, the lore of the Titanic, this kind of funky looking craft, this, you know, exploration. I mean, it had all of the elements to grab money, people's attention. Money. Money yeah. well
0: beyond money beyond that of most normal people
1: right um and I'm just not sure people realize just you and I were talking today off air just how difficult it is to do something like this I mean James Cameron spoke to that in the you know the numerous uh tv interviews that he did um you know so yeah I mean this is a it's a story that had a sad ending and um uh, again I think we'll learn a lot as the Canadian Coast Guard takes the lead on doing the investigation Right.
0: I, you know, I got to say, though, you know, I, th- I thought the U.S. Coast Guard, they were the lead for this. I'm not entirely sure why they were the lead, not the Canadian Coast Guard. That aside, um, this this is was an effort that started from nothing. Zero planning, zero contingency, um, you know, a small subversible two and a half miles down the, in the middle of the North Atlantic. Um, time time is ticking. And none of this stuff happens fast. Um but they really pulled it together from everything I could tell. I mean, it, this was an incredibly disparate group of entities that came together to, um, to try to effect some kind of rescue. And um, certainly the search and, and the rescue should need be. And from government to commercial to all kinds of things. And just really, really impressive that, that, that all those people came together that fast. Um, it's, it's too bad it had a, had a negative ending. But on the other hand, I think a lot of us kind of expected that it would have been far more astounding if, if so, something else had happened. But oh, that's I, just that's just the nature of the beast here. It really is. This is I, I, this is dangerous stuff.
1: It really is. I mean, it, it it really is, and I think that's what you know many people are going to be reminded of as as we start to you know hear and and see right. some of those lessons learned when they unwind this whole thing and and see what safety warnings were, uh, were ignored or, or, you know,
0: weren't, weren't fully heated. Well, I don't know. I'll tell you what, don't bolt me into a tube. That's all. No, <laughs> don't, don't bolt me in anyways. Yeah. All right. Listen, before we go, I have to make mention of the fact that folks, this is, believe it or not, our 100th full podcast together. Um, we we've, we've, we've had a dozen or so specials in addition to that. But for the full show, this is actually a show 100. A little over two years we've been doing this. I just want to say I really enjoyed this. It's a great opportunity. I like talking to people. I love talking about all this stuff. And I have a great, great partner. And I could not ask for a better podcast partner. So Chris Cervello, thank you very much for for showing up. Darn it every
1: week. Thanks. Well, thank you very much, Chris. I, I really appreciate it. And that does it for this week. That concludes show 100. As always, our thanks go out to Maradian and the Defense and Aerospace Group for their support.
0: The Cavalry Ships podcast is sponsored by HII. HII is the designer and operator of the U.S. Navy's live virtual constructive training enterprise, the largest LVC enterprise in the U.S. Department of Defense. HII delivering
1: hard stuff done right. Be sure to follow us at Kavis Ships on Twitter. And remember, this podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, and Spotify. I'm Chris Cervello. And I'm Chris Cavis. Thanks for listening. And bye-bye. bye hey. bye